and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden of the University of Johannesburg Center for African Foreign Policy and Diplomacy. Good afternoon, Kobus. Good morning. Good morning, I should say. We're coming to you a little bit <laughs> earlier than usual, and so Kobus, we uh, we had a lot of good feedback this week on our on our new change in format. So uh, thank you everybody for commenting on our Facebook page and via email uh, that we are again going to be doing the show instead of doing one full hour long program, which a lot of people said was a little bit on the tedious side. Uh, we're dividing the show into three uh, three episodes that we kind of published over the course of a week, and each week we have a special guest with us. This week, we are thrilled to have with us Yushan Wu. Some of you may know her if you follow the China Africa Beat closely. Uh, she's a, a researcher in the Global Powers and Africa program at the South African Institute of International Affairs. Good morning to you as well, uh, Yushan. Hi. Good morning, and uh, thanks for having me back. Wonderful. Well, you're now becoming a regular on our show, and so we're, we're thrilled to have <laughs> you back. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about because Ushan's with us, and she is a specialist in in Chinese media in in Africa, and she's been writing about this. She's been attending conferences about this. So we're going to spend a portion of this week focusing on on Chinese media, particularly in South Africa, and then later in the week we're going to talk about uh, the continent as a whole. But we're going to start off with what's going on in South Africa because this is in some ways. One of the most interesting kind of test cases for China's huge, huge experiment in in African media and the investments that they're making. Cobus,、uh, let's get started on this topic first by kind of breaking down our discussion into what I'm going to call three broad categories. First, we're going to talk about the TV market and the particularly the satellite TV market. Then we're going to go to the print and newspaper sector, and finally end up in social media. Let's talk a little bit about who some of the key players are、uh, that we're talking about in the TV. There's there's two key players, and、I'm, this is a little bit new for me as well. There, there's a company called Star Times, and、uh, and then there's another one called Top TV. Talk to us a little bit about who those actors are. Okay, so this is in the first place. You need to keep in mind this is, has to do with satellite TV in South Africa because South Africa has a, a terrestrial TV sector as well.、Um, but in terms of satellite TV, there are two big players in South Africa. One is called DSTV, which is owned by Naspash, which is a, a very big South African media company that has a strong、um, China connection with with、uh, shareholding in、um, in Tencent in China.、Um, so Top TV is its competitor. But Top TV was very small from the beginning,、um, and almost very soon after being launched, it started getting into financial problems, and it started going under. It actually, it was actually completely bankrupt for a while. Then,、um, at the last moment, there was a lot of talk in the South African TV market about who's going to be rescuing, you know, Top Top TV and whether it's going to die or not, and so on.、Um, and then, at the last moment,、uh, so, uh, Chinese、uh, satellite TV company called Star Time stepped in, and and、um, you know. Provided provided capital and investment, and essentially saved it. Although we're not hundred percent sure where where it is at the moment. Like it's a very long process, you know. So Top TV is in business rescue, you know, kind of mode at the moment, and it's it's apparently going to be launching new channels and so on in the future. But we don't know when and which and how.、Um, Star Times is、um, is quite big. It, it has a lot of it has about seven million subscribers within China. And it's aggressively expanding to the African market, so it's in about ten African countries. Sixteen、um, African countries. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah.、Um, yeah, including Nigeria, Kenya, Tanzania, like very big African TV markets.、Um, and you know, it's、uh, yeah, you know, kind of so, so it's it's exp- 
expanding. I think, I think, as I understand it, South Africa is the first one in Southern Africa. And it's got 2.1 million subscribers across the continent. Now, Start Times is, is the only Chinese company that has a license by the Chinese government to do this type of investment. And that's where a little bit of the problems are coming in because one of the complaints that we're hearing when it comes to this, this deal with, uh, with Top TV is the fact that there's not a, a lot of transparency about Start Times itself and whether or not it's a, an official Chinese company, if it's a private company. Uh, it is, of course, licensed by the Chinese government, but that doesn't tell us very much. This is a very similar conversation that people are having about Huawei, uh, where its relationship with both the government and the People's Liberation Army um, is subject to discussion. Uh, you know, the, these companies you know, put some distance between themselves and the government, but that still hasn't satisfi- satisfied people. Uh, Yushan, before we get to uh, the particulars of this deal, let me talk a little bit about what Star Times recognized as Top TV's deficiencies. They said it had a lack of scale, it had low-quality programs, it had high operating costs, very little differentiation compared with DSTV, and then insufficient management experience. Now, Star Times says they're going to come in, they're going to bring in new working capital, they're going to restore the Top TV brand, they're going to cut prices in half, and they're going to grow the subscription base with more programming. So to me, on the outside, that seems like a pretty good deal. Why are people upset or worried about this takeover? Um, I, well, I've been following the, the developments, but it, to me it doesn't seem like uh, there's as much reaction to this. I think um, if I look at some of the articles on, on Star Times and Top TV and you look at the commentary, I mean, you get the, the normal, uh, you know, the China um, propaganda is going to come in. But I think at the same time, I've also seen people say, um, you know, we, we hope that Top TV will survive. So um, it, yeah. it's hard to see how yeah, China propaganda um, will come in here, Cobus, because a lot of what Star TV does or Star Times does is they bring in other channels. They package up, you know, hundreds of channels, put them together, not necessarily Chinese channels, African channels, BBC, CNN, you know, all the international channels as well. So is there any merit to that argument about Chinese propaganda kind of being kind of snuck in there on the back of Star Times? Not that I can see. Um, you know, I, I also think in, in South Africa, it's generally, you know, the, the Chinese propaganda comes up in terms of other Chinese investment in in, um, in in the South African media market, but not so much in Top TV. Um, I think generally South Africans are glad that Top TV is, is coming up. I think they're a bit surprised because for a while, Top TV was seen as, as amateur hour a little bit. They were very small um, and also unstable. So also recently, they, um, you know, there was talk that some of the, the international channels, including uh, a Fox channel, just disappeared overnight. Um, you know, and um, and also for a long time, Top TV has, beca- has mostly been famous in South Africa for trying to, to stay economically afloat by uh, launching softcore porn channels, um, which many South Africans are vehemently opposed to and it, it, you know, kind of the South African press goes crazy anytime that, yeah. you know, kind of that, that issue gets, gets raised. So, you know, for a long time, Top TV was seen as a little bit of a joke, um, and I think people are pleasantly surprised that it's actually now becoming more of a player. Mm. Um, originally, Top TV was planned to be the low-cost alternative to DSTV. Um, 
because the SUV is quite pricey, for, especially for, for normal South Africans, um, although it, it, it offers different, you know, cheap and, and more expensive options. Um, and, you know, kind of so Top TV was seen as, as, a, as a media empowerment kind of move in order to bring satellite TV to, to um, middle-income and lower-income people in South Africa. So if Star Times manages to actually, to actually cut the subscription costs, and the subscription costs originally were, were lower than DSTV to begin with, um, then that would, I think, be very welcomed in South Africa. No, Yushan, when we yeah. step back, when we step back from this issue, and we see that you know, it seems like from the outside that that Star Times wants to run this business like a business. There's not doesn't seem to be a political agenda. There doesn't seem to be a soft power diplomatic agenda. This just looks like mm-hmm. it's a, it's a business investment. When you step back yeah. and you look at the broader picture of of China's media intentions in Africa, do you put Star Times in that? equation or is that something separate? Um, I think, you know, I'm, I, I look at, so I've looked at China media and how the media is an instrument for government um, soft power or public diplomacy. But I think the one thing in, in the paper I wrote last year is I also said that, yes, Africa is different markets. And I think South Africa, if we unpack it, is there are some unique angles to it. Um, I in my point of view, I think China media engagement in South Africa can only be successful for the moment if it is a commercial engagement. And, um, yeah. As opposed to a propaganda engagement. I think, well, yeah, I mean, like, versus providing their content and their point of view. Um, because, I mean, I know we're going to talk about this, but if we just look at the range of um, China media engagement in South Africa, it, it's star times. Um, I mean, we've recently heard about China Daily in, in South Africa, and that is more the you know Chinese China point of view. But um, if we if we broaden it, it's it's not only star times. It's also um, Huawei, who's I saw recently um, because of um, they providing smartphones to South Africa and Africa is that they recently opened a call center. So that is very much, um, you know, providing for the consumer. And another interesting thing was, and I'm sure Cobras has seen this, is the advertisements for WeChat, which is in South Africa. Um, I heard from someone that it's also in Nigeria and Kenya. And we know that, you know, WeChat is, we know South African company, as Cobras said, um, has a stake. Um, NASPAS has a stake in in um, Tencent, who, who owns WeChat. And, but, I mean, this is all providing a service to customers um, and it's um, it's competition, and I don't think. And I think um, these engagements realize that you have to provide an edge and something that um, you know consumers who can't afford more expensive products um, would want to buy. Okay, well, let's now transition into the social media side. We'll, we'll kind of save print for the last part of our discussion. Uh, we've talked about Tencent. For those who are not familiar with Tencent, Tencent is really one of the largest social media networks in the world that you've never heard of. <laughs> uh, these are, you know, in part because Chinese consumers cannot uh, access Facebook and Twitter and YouTube uh, and all the, ba- the various kind of Western or international social media networks. They've created their own, and they because the Chinese 
market is so large, uh, by de facto, de facto, they become some of the largest social networks in the world. Naspers has, I think it's a 10% stake in Tencent, which is an enormous stake because this is a huge company. I mean, on par with what we're seeing out of Facebook in terms of valuations. And so uh, one of the things that they're doing now is they're looking to expand beyond China because the China market is getting saturated. They've recognized that going into the U.S., Japan, or European markets is extremely difficult. So they're targeting Africa. So Naspers decided to bring uh, WeChat. And WeChat is a kind of like a... um, uh, you know, a, a chat system on mobile phones where you can send pictures, videos, text back and forth. It allows you to kind of save money on SMSs. Uh, and, and so they've kind of targeted South Africa and the African continent as a whole. Uh, when you, do you, when you see the, the entry that Naspers brings to WeChat into the, into the South African market, Cobus, uh, what do you think the viability is for the, for this product in the market? I think there's a, there's very high viability. Um, South Africans have, um, are, you know, they tend to, to focus on SMS messages, uh, text messages rather than on calling because calling can be more expensive. And SMS messages themselves are charged. So there's, there's a lot of, of scope for, um, for free, you know, Skype style free back and forth messaging on smartphones in South Africa on cheap smartphones. Um, WhatsApp is another one that that's already entered the South African market has, has taken over very quickly, um, and you know so. And also, South Africa has a as a social as a Facebook style social media called Mixit, which is also very big in South Africa. And I don't know whether it's I don't think it's in another country. Um, and you know, kind of so, so. I think that that fight for uh, you know for free back and forth kind of um, you know. Um, short message kind of uh, communication systems in South Africa is is very very hot um, among other reasons because South Africans are very interested in in sending less SMSs um, because uh, you know mobile phone costs in South Africa are higher than than in many other countries Yushan, when why do you think the Chinese are, are are kind of zeroing in on the South African market as much as they are and some of the bigger Western players are not coming in so you know obviously whatsapp is in there but you know Facebook and some of the others you know they have a presence there, but they may not be targeting in the same way, either on on TV or in social media. What is about the the Chinese interest here that that you think is so appealing for, uh, for, uh, you know, the South African market, why it's so appealing for for, for Chinese? Um, Well, actually, in my opinion, I don't think it's um, only the South African market. Um, uh, I think, yeah, it's um, I think it's like I said, WeChat is in um, South Africa, Kenya, Nigeria. Um, Star Times, I read, I think it was um, an article we saw recently is in Uganda and, like you said, mm. 16 other African countries. Um, but I think what, um, like I said before, the Chinese, um, the the Chinese engagement in South Africa seems to be um, more successful when it is commercial, a commercial engagement. And um, I think what we also, I guess, have to remember is when we talk about NASPERS or the South African companies, is they are already very competitive um, domestically and also um, beyond South Africa. Um, So um, I think it's, you know, that um, on one hand, it's first there's, probably a market for these things um like top tv there's there's a market for um cheaper alternatives but um also i think it's also about um partnering with south african companies who have um the know-how and the experience and one example is i came across huawei 
um, we, you know, we talked about Huawei and I was reading their website and they said that, um, South Africa is the headquarters for their, um, for their, um, their projects in East Africa and Southern African region. And they've partnered with companies such as MTN, um, who we know is, um, a multinational mobile company who's present in Africa, Europe, and the Middle East. So it almost seems like the commercial and partnership relationships are those that are actually more successful. And, and I'll make the argument that that's why I think South Africa is front and center in this debate is because it actually has a market for it. In, in many African countries, media is still the province of either the government or of factions, that is, political parties. Uh, it's not commercially viable in many African countries. It's subsidized by wealthy individuals or by parties and, or by warlords even in some parts of the, uh, of the continent. And whereas in South Africa, you've got the corporate headquarters of Coca-Cola, of Huawei, of most of the major international companies. They're based there. There's the advertising agencies are there. There's an infrastructure for distribution that's more sophisticated than in other countries. And there's actually a market to be had. So it's in some ways, it makes sense that South Africa would be the first kind of major investment ground that they're doing. Of course, they're doing investments all over the continent, but it doesn't seem to be on the scale and on the depth of what we're seeing in South Africa. Cobus is, uh, is my theory. Is there any kind of legs to my theory on that one? Yeah, I think so. I think frequently South Africa is used as, as a testing ground, um, obviously because it also has stable electricity and, a, you know, a, a sophisticated, um, regulatory framework. Um, and then, you know, so, so they, they test stuff in South Africa and see, you know, whether, whether it takes. And then the next step is Kenya, Nigeria. Okay. Um, you know, and, and I think frequently in, in now, as, as, as Yushanis has pointed out, frequently those are not necessarily with South Africa first, but like the three of them would be, you know, would be launched almost simultaneously. Well, Yushan's pointed out a couple of times that the, the ventures that have the most potential are those that are kind of in the private sector, uh, whereas China Daily is certainly not in the private sector. Uh, China Daily is, is one of the official newspapers of China. It's the official English language newspaper of China. They've recently gone on a big international expansion, not just in Africa, but also in the United States. They've launched a U.S. edition and an African edition. That African edition is kind of a, a joint operation between their base in Nairobi and as well as in South Africa. And one of the interesting developments over the past few months is that the Financial Times newspaper, which is uh, the, one of the leading financial papers in the world uh, on Fleet Street, they've decided to stop publishing the print edition in South Africa. And what's happened is China Daily has taken over their print operation, and they are now going to be publishing 5,000 editions in South Africa just for distribution in the local markets there. Now, this has, star- has people like Professor Anton Harbour, who's the director of the Journal and Media Studies program at Wits University, he's a little bit concerned. And he had a, a great quote on his blog, The Harbinger, where he said, quote, that creaking sound you hear is the global seesaw tilting eastwards. And, uh, and he's a little bit worried about the fact that China Daily is, is buying into the, uh, the independent news and media, which is, of course, South Africa's second largest newspaper group. So, Ushan, let's now switch gears from the private sector to the propaganda side. China Daily is a propaganda vehicle of of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, does this generate any type of concern? Yeah, you know, I think the first thing is, um, besides reading about this article, I haven't actually seen any official announcement about this. 
Um, so I think that's that's one thing to keep in mind. And I think the other thing is when, when we talk about the, the Chinese media coming to South Africa, is also thinking about the South African media market and, you know, what, um, what it looks like. And, I mean, to me, it seems very commercial that we are, you know, we... It's, it's commercial seems more favorable, um, and that is also because um, there is, I think, um, what is it this 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 debate about um, about what is government and and what is um, you know commercial media and um, there's there is no um, in between, and so the thing about China Daily is. Um, yeah, I, I think it is part of this larger drive um, from China and, and their, their point of view. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure how 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 well it's it's going to do. But I also think it's you know I I've actually seen some of them um, on the street. The moment. You've seen, I, you see it? You, you no, see it on I the newsstands? No, I haven't seen it on the street. We get it delivered to the office. And um, if you just look at um, the type of content, I, I think it's actually quite quite interesting. There are areas where, um, for example, the Forum on China-Africa Cooperation, the, the projects, um, you know, that for a long time researchers, and if you read a lot of articles, say, you know, we talk about FOCAC building 100 schools, but we don't know where these schools are. And more and more in the China Daily articles, I've seen things like um, these are. This is a, the, a FOCAC project, for example, on I don't know fisheries in Uganda. Um, they, and I think once or twice I've actually seen things about the challenges of the China-Africa relationship coming up. One is languages and the fact that it's very difficult for China to engage um, in the Francophone-speaking countries. And another one was, you know, the fact that about um, the climate change issue and um, and China. So. Yeah, I think it's. I think there is interesting content there, probably for a researcher such as myself. Um, they also did an interview with um, the China Africa Development Fund, the the head of the fund. So I think you know you you're getting a more of an idea of what these projects are and who these people are, and I think that is very important. But yes, I think if we're comparing us to the rest of the South African market, it is difficult to say how do you um, make this interesting besides. Um, for, for a niche market. Yeah, Cobus, you know, I'm split on the, on, on, on the China Daily because, uh, I, you know, I lived in China for, for almost 10 years and, and just saw the China Daily as just fish wrap, you know, because it was just basically the party propaganda line. They have changed, though, in Africa. They have, they're not just Chinese writers. They have guys like Babu Kesa, who writes editorials, uh, not editorials, opinion columns for them. They also have a number of PhD scholars from across the continent. I think it's interesting for, as, as Yushan said, for people like us who are interested in the China China-Africa kind of story, and you get to see another side to it, certainly the Chinese side. They bring up a lot more sensitive issues than one would think. They talk about ivory. They talk about labor. They have kind of official statements from, you know, from government officials to say, you know, that, you know, Chinese companies operating in Africa must respect local labor laws. They talk about immigration and assimilation. So there are some interesting things here, and it's really a nice addition to the, the broader debate. But we cannot n- overlook the fact um, that the China Daily is not even a government paper. It's a party paper in China. Uh, the media works for the party. And as a result, uh, you know, is that always kind of looming in the background for us? But I wonder your opinion here is that do African media consumers care? Or do they just look at it as having more information, more newspapers, and that's a good thing, regardless of where it comes from? 
Um, I think there's a few few things to keep in mind. In the first place, um, you know, the, the, the issue of being a party paper or party-supported paper, obviously that, there's a certain reality where that's true in African countries as well. So, um, you know, there's, a, there's a, a newspaper in South Africa, The New Age, it was launched relatively recently, a few, like two years or so ago, um, that's widely seen as being directly funded by, by the ruling party in South Africa and, and it's supposed to be you know, kind of bringing out its voice, you know, so, so that, that is already a reality. Um, so having China Daily in that mix, you know, kind of complicates the mix, but it doesn't fundamentally change the mix. At the same time, you have to keep in mind also that a, a 5,000 print run is very small. Um, so, you know, and, and I think to a certain extent, like Financial Times, Financial Times was, was the Sunday edition in South Africa was never a, a major big player, um, you know, in terms of, in terms of um, print volume. What it was, I think it, direct, it, it communicated with the elite. Um, and the fact that China Daily is, is, is using, you know, some of the same stuff and some of the same distribution channels means that I think it, it, it's small, but it, it, it aims to talk to people in power. Um, the South African newspaper market, the, the Sunday morning South African newspaper market is very competitive. Um, and it... Um it is the traditionally it's one of the places one of the times in the week and one of the forums in the week where really big scandals get broken so you know particularly in, in the newspaper the Sunday Times um, with the, you check the cover of the Sunday Times to see what went crazy you know what kind of crazy thing happened in South Africa this week um, and a lot of it had to do you know as frequently it has to do with with exposés on corruption and you know kind of very controversial stories so that's a tough market to step into for anyone yes um, but it's, it's but a very tough market to step into, I think, if you if you taint it with the idea that you're representing someone. Okay, so that the yeah. China Daily will not be a player on Sunday morning, uh, but independent newspapers does break some of that news, and there's yeah. a Chinese consortium who is buying into that uh, into that side of the business. So tell us a little bit about why the, the, the purchase of, of independent newspapers is so critical. Yeah. Okay. This is a <laughs> this is so such a complicated situation, um, and and we also have to keep in mind that a lot of this is being is coming out to us via blogs and so on. You know, kind of um, with and kind of blind items. So we're not hundred percent sure exactly what's happening yet because not all of it is official yet. But apparently, okay. So for for a long time, um, independent media is, is the second largest um, you know South African print media group, and for a long time it was owned by a by a company in. Ireland, which was widely seen as as mismanaging it. Um, now it's being touted. It, it's being bought by a, a consortium called Sekunyalu. Um, and it's a very complicated consortium because 25% of it is comes from a, a government employee pension fund, and then 75% um, is made of, up of of a, a company called you know kind of you know uh, this kind of very complicated consortium that includes. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, a guy called Iqbal Surve, who, um, you know, kind of was, was a big investor in, in lots of different fields, as well as a bunch of South African trade unions, uh, lots of lots of players closely related to the ruling party, including Umkonto Esizwe, which is um, the, the African National Congress military wing, um, and, you know, via their, their military um, veterans organization, as well as um, Nelson Mandela's grandson, Manda Mandela. Um, so 
there are a lot of very big South African players in there. Um, and we're not exactly sure who is getting what. But at the same time, there's also a 20% Chinese stakeholding. And the issue is that we're not sure what Chinese stakeholding this is. Um, there is a rumors, particularly push, pushed by, again, by Anton Harbour, who's a very respected journalist in South Africa, but, you know, this is coming from his blog, um, that the, that 20% is being, you know, he said it's coming from, from CCTV, obviously the state broadcast in, in China. We're not sure. That hasn't been officially confirmed. Yushan, does that sound right, that, that CCTV would be investing in print uh, operations? Uh, well, I'm not really sure. I think... Um for for me, like I said, I um, you know I would still point to um, we have to try and understand what the South African media market is like. And actually, I came across um, quite a interesting and um, recent report called South Africa's Media Twenty Years After Apartheid. And um, in there, when, you know, when I think about the um, Sikanyalo um, consortium and this news development, is in the report they said something about how you know that there is this very um, Foreign, foreign engagement. So we talked about the um, the ANC and the New Age, which is um, also I don't know if um, you know Clovis can maybe say more. Is that it's also owned by um, an Indian family? The so. But yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, the Gupta family is, is seen yeah. as being very, very closely aligned to South Africa's president, Jacob Zuma. But uh, it seems like Irish ownership and, and Indian ownership in, in, it doesn't seem to kind of cause any concern. But going back to Anton Harbour's blog, the idea that it's Chinese ownership and you don't know where that money is coming from, CCTV or anywhere else, seems to be the question on people's minds here. And I think one of the questions that he rose, raised in his blog was if we run into another situation, say, the Dalai Lama coming to South Africa, which is a contentious issue between South Africa and China, you know, will the independent newspapers change their editorial line? Yeah, but you know, I don't, I don't know if this is this is not up to China, I guess. So um, again, when I um, let me just, uh, um, you know, about the the whole, um, what I was talking about is that you know that the ANC criticizing that um, our media is becoming very commercial and we put perpetuating this economic ideology, whereas you have on the other side our media criticizing the government that they're deflecting from corruption. But um, at the same time, I think um, any media um, you know, engagement is also a commercial engagement. So while we'd like to know is that a lot of these things happen behind closed doors. It's not only China engaging in Sikunyalo, it's um, probably the Irish, probably that um, or when, like we said, the Star Times and Top TV, that um, what we've seen in the news is that they say that they're still discussing what their interests are on both sides. But these kind of things, um, you know, don't make the public, um, a lot of these uh, commercial deals aren't in the public eye. No. And I think, well, just to kind of wrap this up, one of the, the big problems about talking about any aspect of the China-Africa relationship, particularly on the China side, is we don't really always know, is this private Chinese investment or is it public Chinese investment? And, and I think that's one of the complicating yeah. factors here. So with all of the, the discussions that we've had with respect to the Chinese investments in the South African media market, it gets very, very murky. So I just I caution everybody to, to not use that mm-hmm. umbrella word Chinese with too 
too much weight on it because you know a lot of this could just be you know financial investment for the for the for the sake of returns and nothing more. So oftentimes in the media coverage, we often we we hear that you know the Chinese and that can be very very misleading. So well, that'll do it for this edition of the podcast. Uh, we we're so grateful to to Ushan for joining us today. Ushan, if people want to follow what you're reading and writing these days, uh, where can they find you on the on the web? Well, um, after our last conversation, I decided to um, activate my Twitter account again um, because I think for a long time I, I, you know, was happier just to follow people, and um, so so now I've decided. So it's um, if you want to follow me, it's at, at yushan underscore wu. So that's w u. Um, and yeah, I said Saya has a new um, Facebook page, and of course we have our own official Twitter account as well. And so that's, at, that's uh, where you can find me at S A I A S A I I A, right? South Africa. Yeah, and um, Saya underscore info. Saya yeah. underscore info. And they do some really great work at, at Saya, so I, I really recommend that. Kobus, we we can take we can put another you know notch of credit on the show here that we got Yushan to get back on Twitter again. So I think that's actually a <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that shows you the power and influence that we have. And Kobus, of course, yeah. uh, you know where can we find you on the web? Um, I I try to update our Facebook page every day, so you know, kind of that's an easy place to get hold of me. And also, I'm on Twitter at Stadenesque. That's S T A D E N E S Q U E. And of course, Cobus mentioned our, our our Facebook page, and I was uh, I overlooked that for, for, throughout the first part of the show. But Facebook now is uh, just a wonderful conversation going on over there at Facebook.com/slash China Africa Project. Ninety one thousand followers. It's just incredible, and the quality of the conversation is absolutely amazing. It's about uh, 80% of our followers are, are African from and under the age of 24. So it's a very young, engaged audience. Uh, we're covering all of the topics we raised today. We'd love to hear what you think. Do you agree uh, with, the, with what Yushan is saying, is that private media investment is really the most successful way for Chinese uh, to go? And, and that uh, do you disagree with what we've talked about on this particular show? We'd love to hear your comments and your feedback. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at eolander. That's E-O-L-A-N. N-D-E-R. I'm posting the top China-Africa headlines uh, pretty much every day. So we'll be back later this week with another edition of the show. We have published three shows a week now. So while you can just basically sign up for us on iTunes, which is a great way to follow us. Also, we're on Stitcher. We're on the BlackBerry Network, particularly in South Africa. And, of course, you can find us on our Facebook page where I post the, the audio file. And you can listen right there on Facebook. So until next time, thank you so much for listening.